Hey, we've had three guest teachers over the last month in here. Can give it up to those teachers, all right? They've been amazing up here. I, I haven't been up here in a month, so for you, I, my, I'm Jim. I'm the pastor here, in case, uh, in case you didn't know. But I, I'm so proud of those, those, those guys that they came up here and uh, just shared their, their stories with you. I had, I had a couple of announcements, and now I just have one. The first announcement I have, but I'm not going to make this announcement, was men and women's retreats coming up in September, but it's full. Sorry. Uh, it's, it filled up like last night. As soon as it went online, it just filled up. Uh, there's a waiting list, but I think it's full too. <laughs> so... So be mad at, at them, not me. I don't shoot the messenger. But uh, God's doing something in the, in the lives of the men and women of this church. And that just the, a retreat fills up in six hours. That's just kind of indicative of that. So we'll have some more things coming, coming out in the future. So you won't be a part of that. Hey, something really, really big is happening a month from today. On September 6th, that's Labor Day weekend, we launch our third campus uh, in downtown, uh, downtown Denver at the Paramount. All right? And this is... Uh, this is just absolutely amazing. And so we're going we're gonna to launch on, on September 6th, a Sunday night, with a 6 o'clock service. So that's going to be, we're going to have one service, but we've rented the thing out for, for the whole day. So I know what's going to happen. You're going to go, you're going to check it out, then you're going to go, some of your friends live in the downtown neighborhoods, and you're going to go bring them uh, with you. And then you're going to have a second service, and then a third service, and this is what you do. So I know that. So uh, on your way out today, Zach, our campus pastor, is going to be out there. Sean's going to be our, our worship leader uh, down at, at, the, at the downtown campus. But if you have questions about that, Zach's going to be out there. In the, in, the, in the lobby also there's a booth out there but there's also some cards out there if you want to pick that up just for information about that downtown campus maybe you have friends in that area they won't drive all the way up here or they won't drive out to Genesee or something like that but take that with you use it as a kind of a conversation starter to, to, to show up with them on, on September 6th and, uh, and we'll start our third campus like that we're going to be trying some different things with video there's going to be a TV screen out here as we, we try to work out what's the best way to, to get this message down to the downtown campus and up to Genesee so you'll see some different things in here over the next uh, few weeks in here we're starting a new, a new series uh, uh, today, and I, I am, I'm pumped up. I, I, love, I love what we're about to talk about. Uh, and we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're the only church in town that opened their service with Beat It. I'm pretty sure of that, all right? And I was going to come up here and moonwalk for you, but I don't know how to moonwalk, and because uh, I'm... I am white to the core, and uh, uh, that's just true. That's just true. But uh, but uh, but Tony's gonna come out here, and he's gonna blow your mind. Some of you, this is the first church you've ever been to, and you think all churches like this. It's not, all right. And we're gonna prove that here in just a minute, all right. So before we do that, let's pray, and then we'll we'll launch this new series, all right? Will you pray with me? God, I'm so I'm so thankful. I'm so excited about what you're doing in my heart and the hearts of so many men and women in this in this room right now. Boys and girls and, and, and students and, and grandmas and grandpas, we're all here and we're trying to figure stuff out. And God, honestly, sometimes we go through our week and it just feels like we're losing. It feels like we're losing the battle at home. We're losing the work, a battle in our own minds and, and with our children, with our parents, with, the, with, our, with our most important relationships. It feels like we're, we're fighting a, a losing battle. But you're going to teach us today that you're still in control and that you have a plan for our life. A lot of us came in here to learn something. So will you teach us one good thing about your son, Jesus? It's in his name I pray. Amen. Here we go. Ah, yeah. Hey, give it up for Tony. Give it up for him, man. So good. They wanted me to rap that song. I said, no, let Tony do it. Let Tony do it. It's all right. It's all good. Say, hey, 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 so we're launching a six-week series that, I'll be honest with you, I, I am so excited about, so pumped up about, so jacked up, whatever you want to call it, because whenever we do a series about what we're about to do a series about, several things always happen. They already have so far this weekend. First of all, you're going to hear what I'm going to talk about, and a few people will roll their eyes and get mad. A few people will get up and walk out, and I hope it doesn't happen, but it always happens, so thanks for coming, all right? But also, a bunch of people's hearts will jump out of their chest. You'll hear them take a breath and maybe whisper the word, finally, because for some of us in this room, it's like, it's like throwing a, someone's throwing us a life preserver just as we're about to go down to go under to drown in this area of life that we're going to talk about. 
See, I truly believe that other than a person having their sins forgiven through Jesus Christ, being reconnected back to God, this, what we're about to talk about, is the most important thing that the church needs to be talking about. Although across the world, or at least I'll say this, in our country, in America, most churches are talking less and less about it, even to the point of changing or removing pages from their Bible. And they claim to be doing it in the name of love, even when God's word is very, very clear on the topic, but it's not what they want to hear, so they take that out of the Bible. But the Bible's clear. The Bible's clear. It makes it very, very clear that a day is coming. It goes like this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound or healthy teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Don't don't tell me the truth. Just make me feel good. I don't care if it works. Just make me feel good. And as, as the song Tony just sang states, that day is already here. This is the world we live in. You know, every once in a while, so someone will ask me, for example, a, a couple years ago, the, the Boulder Daily Camera, they, they called me and they asked me this question. They said, are, are, you, are you afraid that if you keep putting out this kind of message as strongly as you put it out there, are you afraid that your numbers will decrease? <laughs> I told that reporter, no. I didn't get into this job to have a big church. I, I had no idea this was going to happen. I, I signed up to lead an effective church that makes a difference in the world, a church that, that holds on to both grace and truth, not either or. And, I'll, and I'll, I think I'm, I can speak with Scott, for Scott here as well. We'll preach this thing down to us and our families before we let go of God's word, regardless of, of attendance or popular opinion, opinion, opinion or criticism. Wait, wait, or political correctness. I'm going to throw this in there too just to make some of you mad, all right? Regardless of the latest decision of the Supreme Court or any other voice that tries to tell me to ignore what God says in his word is true and best for people that he created. I choose God's word every time. I choose God's word over any voice that tries, or convinced, tries to convince me to, to, to say that, that what God calls sin, I should relabel that and say, no, that's normal. That's the right thing to do. I'm just not going to do it. And for the record, anytime we lean into topics like we're about to lean into, our numbers do not go down. They explode. They go up. It's like the world is like, stop patting me on the head and tell, give me trite little answers and tell me it's going to be okay. It's not. It's time to lean into some hard truth. So, so let me throw out the subject of this shape series. And, and today it's just an introduction. I'm so fired up about this, right? I wrote this talk like two weeks ago. And then I keep pulling it up on my computer and going, and I want to say this too. And I want to say this too, all right? So it ended up being like a two-hour talk. So they finally took me aside and went, cut it in half, all right? So, so today's just the first half. It's, it's just an introduction and I'm just going to stop. And, and, and the only kind of application for today is if you decide to come back next week. And some of you won't. And that's, I hope you come back. I really, really I don't want anybody to, to walk out. Some of you will, but here's the thing is what I want to do. If something happens in this talk or in this series, and you're tempted to just kind of tune me out and go, I know where this is going. I don't even have to hear all the information. How about this? Why don't you stay to the end of the talk, all right, and hear all of the information rather than jump to a conclusion. And then if you decide not to come back, at least you know why you're not coming back. All right? And, and, and then there will be an educated decision. But anyway, for the, for the next six weeks, we're going to focus our focus, like the song says, or like the Apostle Paul says in the Bible, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus and what he said and what he taught and what he believed about what it means or what is the shape of biblical manhood. We're going to run into this. And don't worry, when I say what's the shape of a man, I'm not talking about external biology, if that's what came to mind. I'm talking about what is it about a man on the inside, internally, that makes a difference on how he lives his life on the outside. That must be in place in order for a man to best live out an image and reflect the role and the responsibility that God has pressed into and given to every male on the planet. 
See, the most important question, the most important questions that a, that a boy must answer, and every male in this room has already asked himself this question several million times in his life already. Over the last month, five men stood up here, and they, they rephrased this question in different ways. But those questions that are on every man's mind go like this. Am I really a man? Am I really enough? And how will I know? How will I know? And, and gentlemen, if the answer comes back no, or I'm not sure, the next question we ask ourselves is this. What do I need to do to become a man? So let's just jump into this, all right? Let me just address the eye rollers and the part of the crowd that's thinking right now, again? Again, we're going to do another man series. We talk about man stuff all the time. What about the women? All good points, all great questions. And honestly, it's true. We talk about this man stuff a lot here at Flatirons. Why? Why? Well, I've, I've kind of already answered that, that, that question, why we address it so much. But here's the answer in case you missed it. Because other than the gospel of Jesus Christ himself, reconnecting us back to God, this is the most important, most needed subject that needs to be addressed in this broken world that we live in. Because let's be honest. Hard truth here, right? The world is full of men who claim to love God. The world's full of men who say, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. But here's a, here's a newsflash, all right? The world is getting worse, not better. It's getting worse, all right? And when, here, here, I'm gonna make some of you mad, or here it comes, all right? When you leave something worse than when you found it, that's called failure. That's just true, all right? Which in today's word, like that's the ultimate F word. You're not allowed to tell people that you're failing. That'll hurt their feelings and, and smash their self-esteem. You're not allowed to say that, Jim. Guess what? Yes, I am. Heads up, man, pay attention. As a whole, we're failing, not, 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 not everyone, but as a whole, kind of as a gender, we're failing. You know what? We know it. We didn't have to come to church today to find that out. We know. Look around. Masculinity, manhood, men, husbands, marriages, fatherhood, falling apart. And as a result, our children are lost and failing. Most, not some, not many, not half, most of the world's problems, most of which fall on women and children, are caused by males not knowing how to be or constantly trying to prove I'm a man. They don't know what we're doing. And if we don't have, know how to answer that question, what is a good man? If we don't know what the definition of what is a good man, then we just make it up. It's a moving target. And even though we all, man, we, we just know this is true. We, we know inside, we know we're failing. We're not allowed to act like it. But the truth is, we look in the bathroom mirror every morning or every night, and we know, we ask ourselves this question, I don't think I'm enough. And it's a matter of time until everybody in my life finds out that I don't know what I'm doing and I'm going to lose everything or everyone. And for some of us, again. So let me just kind of call out the elephant in the room that might be going through about, about half the minds in the room right now. As a matter of fact, we're not going to get into this series until next week. So what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of the, our time together here mostly talking to the women in the room. All right? Before we get into a man series, I'd like to talk to the ladies. So here, here's, here, here we go. All right? So, so our two main teachers here at Flatirons are me and Scott. All right? And we are... Men. Thank you for that. All right? Four of you like, men? Yes. All right. Yes. <laughs> Then over the past month, we've had three new teachers up here tell their stories about wrestling with God. And in case anybody missed it, they were all men, all right? And Scott and I got some emails. We did over, over the last couple of weeks asking why none of the teachers in that series were female. And ladies, you know what? That's a great question. That's a very fair, good, good question. And my, I'll answer that because I'm the one that picked the, the three men to come up here. I went through all the really solid teachers on our staff. And we have great teachers, both men and women on our staff. I weighed the topic that we were addressing. I, I looked at the individual stories that I knew were going on in these teachers' lives, and I chose what I felt were the three best teachers who could address the topic based on their personal stories and their wrestling matches with God and not based on their genders. I, I picked the best teachers. 
based on their story. And some of you may believe that, some of you don't believe that, but that is, that is what I did. Now, that's not the elephant in the room. Let's get back to the elephant in the room. See, whenever, whenever we do a series on biblical manhood, we get overwhelmed with feedback. And it's positive feedback. And here's, here's the kicker on this, all right? It's mostly from women. When we do a, a series on biblical manhood, most of our feedback comes from women in a positive way, but it falls into one of two categories. Uh, people have already said this to me, to me this, this, this weekend. Here's the first, first category of emails I get. All right, it goes like this. This is the only church where, that my husband, my son, or my boyfriend will attend. We've tried other churches. and He lasts about 10 minutes. They gave some fluffy little thing and he walked out. Right? He, finally, a church that doesn't water it down, sugarcoat it, or make him feel like he has to leave his testicles in the truck and check his manhood at the door when he comes to church. Boom, I said it. There you are, right? <laughs> For the record... For the, that, that is the number one topic of all the emails that I receive all year long, regardless of the topic that we're leaning into. Finally, a church where, where men feel comfortable coming to church. I remember a, a couple of years ago, we were doing a series on, on manhood, and I'm standing out in the lobby. I had the best talks out there in the lobby. And as I'm standing out there by the fireplace, out of the auditorium, all right, comes this, this big cowboy, like right off the range dude, all right? Like, dun, dun, dun. I heard country music. Dun, 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 dun. As he walked up to me, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. What's he going to do? Because he looked mad. But he's just a cowboy. They all look mad, all right? So anyway, so he's walking towards me, all right? And he goes like this. And I go, oh, I've got to be tough, all right? So anyway, but he walks up to me, and without even breaking stride, he high-fives me, keeps walking, goes, hey, Pastor Jim, thanks for not being a kitty. But he didn't say kitty, all right? <laughs> I got kids in the room, all right? All right? I didn't know what to say, so I went, you're welcome, you're welcome. That's the best compliment I've gotten like, in a year, all right? Thanks for not. I'm not, all right? So, so that's the first one. Okay. The second kind of email, let's move on. The second kind of email that we received from women, I love this, is thanking us for helping the men in their lives see in themselves what the women in their lives already know is true about them. There's a lot of women who see good things in their husbands and their boyfriends and their sons. Those men have put up the white flags on their life. But these women are saying, he's, he's a good man. He just doesn't believe it yet. See, see, w- w- women know, all right? And women, if you don't know this, write this down, all right? It'll help you out. But women know that if you push too hard on the men in your life, your husband, your boyfriend, your sons, it will backfire on you. Your heart's right. But if you push too hard, you're going to come off kind of looking like a nag or a, another word, all right? It's like, again, kids in the room. But how, how about this, all right? I'm going to make a, a huge politically incorrect statement because that's what I do. And, I, and I, there's some people I haven't made mad yet. This will do it, all right? So... And the only reason I would make this type of politically incorrect statement is because it's true, based on experience, but it's true. So take a breath, all right, when you listen to the whole thing. First of all, a a woman can take a child from fetus to boyhood, but it takes a man to take a boy from boyhood to manhood, not because there's something wrong with women, not because there's some shortfall in, in women, but because men are designed best to get their strength from other men. And the best that a woman can do is give and teach her son her interpretation of what it means to be a man, which might be good, but it's not the same thing. Right? Which, which is why Solomon said it like this. Solomon, the second wisest person to ever walk on the earth, second only to Jesus, he said this about men. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. And that's not a knock against women. It's the reality of how it works. It's the reality of how God made men. And ladies, again, if you just take a breath right now and think about how the boys and the men in your life act differently in the presence of other men, for better or worse, you will recognize that men listen to men differently than they listen to you. It's just called reality. 
See, we have a lot of single parents in this church. Every single mom in this room knows who's trying to raise her son. She knows this. I can be the best mom in the world, but my son needs a good, strong, trustworthy man in his life. And every man in this room who didn't have a good, strong, trustworthy man in his life would have given anything to have had a good, strong, trustworthy man in his life. Tell him years ago, you're a good kid. You're a good boy. You're a good young man. Likewise, every single dad in this room who's trying to raise a daughter would say the same thing. I'm a great dad, but my daughter needs a good, strong woman in her life to give her what I can't give her. Not because there's something wrong with me. It's just called reality. I remember a couple years ago, Scott was up here and he was, he was doing a series on divorce. Scott's parents got divorced when he was an infant. He has no memory of his father ever living in the same house with him. But one of the things that he was so grateful to his mom, Deb, for was, was her wisdom to surround Scott with strong, godly men when his dad wasn't or couldn't be there for him. And I saw Scott's dad last night. Scott's dad says, I'm grateful for the same thing. So ladies, in answer to that question, what about the women? Listen up. The biggest beneficiaries of a series on biblical manhood are women because some of the biggest challenges facing women and children go like this. See if this describes anybody's life or questions. Where are all the men who actually do what they promise to do? I can't find one. Where are all the men who don't leave when times get hard? Where are all the men that when they get angry, their families feel more safe because they know that when dad gets angry, angry, his anger and strength are pointed at protecting them, not hurting them. Where are all the men who actually want to love me, not just get in bed with me? Where are all the men who are young in heart, but not selfish, childish, pouty boys who only want to get their way? Where are all the kings? Where are all the warriors? Where are all the lovers who will provide and protect me and my children? Because all I see, all I've experienced, dated and married are tyrants and emotional manipulators and bullies or wusses who can't or won't make me feel safe where are all the good men see I was there's one one I, was, I did a wedding I, I, did, I did a wedding uh, uh, last weekend I'm at the reception afterwards and this this, this girl this this young lady that comes to flatter she's probably in her 20s or 30s she said pastor Jim where are all the good men and I looked at her and I said I'm trying I'm working on it I'm working that's why we're doing this See, a while back, I read a book. I read books now. I read more books than Scott. There, all right? But, but I read a book written by a Navy SEAL. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, his name is Eric Greitens. He's actually running for governor of Missouri right now. The title of that book is called The Heart and the Fist. I recommend it, all right? It tells the story of how Greitens, when he just finished undergrad work, he's getting ready to go to law school. But before he did that, he took, he took a, a season off to travel around the world. And he, and, he, and he hooked up and he worked with different humanitarian agencies all, all over the world. In the worst places, the roughest places in the world, refugee camps in places like Croatia, war-torn places like Rwanda right after the tribal genocide, food kitchens and medical clinics in places where corrupt governments and drug lords and corrupt dictators were starving and torturing their people in exchange for power and submission and control. And while serving in all these places, Eric Greitens, he served with all kinds of people from different walks of life and different faith systems. In this book, he tells a story about he's at a food, a food kitchen, I think in Rwanda, and there's this little sweet Christian girl from Texas, and he says, why are you here? And she, she started telling the story of the Good Samaritan out of the Bible. A lot of Christians would, use, would point to that story and go, that's why I'm trying to help people. Let me just kind of bring you up on that, on that story. It's a story that Jesus told, illustrating that a good neighbor is someone who sees somebody in need and helps them. And in the story that Jesus told, a man had been beaten and stripped naked and left for dead in a ditch by thieves on a road stretching from Jerusalem to Jericho. A road famous for thieves, thieves and, and, and murder. And the Good Samaritan, a lot of people just passed by. A lot of religious people didn't want anything to do with that hurting man. But the Good Samaritan stopped and helped the hurting, dying man. And Jesus says, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I want my people to do. That's what a good neighbor does. 
And, and Eric heard that story from a lot of Christians, but the, the more suffering and corruption that Eric witnessed and the more that he saw that there's a cycle, a repetitive cycle that goes over and over and over, he had what, what I like to call an aha moment. You ever had an aha moment where you go, ah, now it makes sense, like the lights go on. And here's, here was his. Helping people who are lying in the ditch beside the road, that's a good thing to do. But maybe, here's the aha moment, maybe somebody needs to do something about the robbers that keep beating people up and throwing them in ditches over and over and over again. So Eric put law school on, on hold. He joined the Navy, then he joined the SEALs, and then spent the next decade going after bad guys and bad systems that kept throwing bodies in ditches. This is what Scott talked about a couple months ago when he talked about the devastation that we see downstream is caused by events and activities upstream. And if you want to see anything change in, in the world, then you have to go upstream to the source of the problem. And upstream in our society today is the broken hearts of men. And everything that we see or so much that we see wrong around us is a result of that. And if anything is going to change, we need to go upstream to the source. And that, my friends, is why we're doing yet another series on what it means to be a good man. Not according to Jim and Scott, not according to Flatirons, but according to what God says in his word. See, there's a lot at stake here. There's a growing cycle of belief and behavior in our country, but even right inside of our own churches. And the results are leaving more and more women and their sons and daughters wounded and lying in ditches. And maybe worse yet, causing more and more women and their children to believe and settle for, I guess that's all I'm worth. There's a lot of women in, in our world that goes, I'm the kind of woman that gets thrown in a ditch. There's a lot of kids, sons and daughters out there going, I, 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 I'm so unlovable, I'm not even worth my father sticking around to be a part of my life. I guess I'm garbage in a ditch. Some of you are sitting here going, that's exactly how I feel. You know, I've been doing this ministry thing for over 30 years now, and I, I, would, I would say that almost, almost every man and woman that has sat in front of me describing for me what was now the wreckage that they called their life, if they were willing to go back far enough in their story, there's a message. There's a message that was communicated to them Maybe not even on purpose, but it is the message that they, they remembered most often from their fathers. And the message was this, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable enough. And these men and women have spent their entire lives, decades, believing that that was true or trying to do something big enough or worthy enough to prove the message wrong. So the most loving, helpful thing I could ever do for women and children from this stage is to go after the bad definitions upstream and the standards that too many males have settled for when they say, I'm a man. This is masculinity. But the result is, it's killing and stealing and destroying everyone in their lives and killing and destroying themselves. See, there's some people that are in this room right now that are nervous. And probably the most nervous group in this room, other than the guys that I just described, because there's some of us, some of those guys in this room, they're sitting there going, that's me. I don't think I'm a good man. But the most nervous group of people in this room probably be the women that are connected to these guys. They've been in survival mode for so long and they're thinking, if the guy in my life listens to Jesus and finds his God-defined masculinity, which ladies, I'm going to be honest with you, he probably won't. But if he actually does, here's what you're afraid. He might rethink his life. He might try to actually lean into leading me or leading our family and I don't trust him. He's made promises like this before and it didn't last. Last time Jim did a man series, he got all fired up and kind of tried to take control of our home and it was a disaster. It lasted five minutes. I don't trust him. I get it. I'd be nervous too. But it is what God is going to try to get into that thick skull of his. But you're right. Be careful, ladies. Be careful. But think about it. What if it works? What if, what if, what if this time it works? See, let me just talk to, to you ladies. All you single ladies out there, right? Or how about all you parents out there who are wringing your hands because you know the day is coming when some idiot guy is going to show up at your door or in your driveway honking his horn because it hasn't even occurred to him he should respect you or your daughter and actually walk up to the door 
That's another sermon. But anyway, all right, so again, let me just talk to you, all right? When that boy shows up to take you or your daughter away, here's what I would start doing right now. Start praying that that boy, even if he's already in his 30s or 40s, is in this room for the next five weeks because he actually might start becoming a man or at least going in that direction, at least according to what Jesus says when he says, this is the direction, this is the shape of a man. Now, one more thing. Again, we're, gonna, we're just gonna, we're gonna quit and we're gonna pick this up next week, but, but this, this is topic that we're talking about, this, this recovering and reclaiming biblical masculinity, it's the passion of my heart. Other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, connecting people back to God by taking their sins away, this is the most important thing. See, I already know. I don't know what your life plan is when you, when you, when you stop doing what you're doing now. I, I already know how I want to spend the rest of my life. See, it doesn't matter what, what you do, if you're a preacher, or you're a lawyer, you're a banker, or you're, you work in a factory. Here, here, here's, what, here's what's going to happen, all right? A day will come when there'll be a, be a meeting about you, right? Meaning this is that some, someday, all right, and I'm okay with this, all right, there's going to be a meeting. The elders of this church will call me into a meeting, probably right in my own office, and they'll, they'll be nervous. And then one of them, whoever lost the bet, will look at me and go, hey, Jim, it's time. It's time. It's been a good run. Thanks for everything. Here's a gold watch. But it's time for you to hand the keys to Scott and go play golf or something, which is fine. I really am okay with that. I trust Scott with everything, all right? Everything has its season. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go live my life playing golf, I promise, or shuffleboard or scrabble. No, I know, I know how much from now till my funeral. See, Robin and I, we already bought some land up in the mountains. And I'm building a cabin up there. And here's why I want to spend the rest of my life sitting around a campfire with men, especially young husbands and fathers, and simply looking across that fire and going, how are you doing? How are you doing? Can I help? How, how, how are you doing? How, how can you lead your family better in a crazy world that has made it clear that it wants to steal, kill, and destroy them and you? It is a war zone. See, I believe that is the, the mission for the rest of my life, and it's the mission of this church. But I'm not going to wait till I'm an old man to do it, and neither is this church, which I'll talk about more in just a minute. See, without apology, the mission of this church is to proclaim the message of Jesus that goes like this. The kingdom of God is available to any and all who want it by grace through faith. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. You can be forgiven and reconnected back to God. But here's the other part of our mission. It's the last verse of the Old Testament. If you can't find anything in the Bible, go to Jesus' parts and turn left. You'll find it. The last verse of the Old Testament goes like this. Malachi chapter 4 says this, talking about Jesus. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and hearts of children to their fathers. Here's, here's what's at stake. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Utter destruction. Does that sound like the world we're living in? It's getting worse. Our country, our churches, our marriages, our families, our hearts and souls, our masculinity, our strength are being destroyed. And according to God's word, one of, if not the primary ways back from destruction will happen when and won't happen until men, husbands, and fathers turn back. The word we use around here is repent. Rethink the strategy for how we're going to live our lives and turn back to what God says is true and what God says is important will actually work. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He says this, be watchful. In other words, wake up. Open your eyes, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, and act like men, be strong. And you, and you read that, you go, that, that, that sounds great, act like men, be strong, right? But then the next question is, act, what kind of man? What does it mean to act like a man? I mean, everybody has an opinion on it, right? I go to the movies, and that's held up, that's what a man is. I listen to that, that rap song, that country song, whatever, and they say, that's what a man is. And I come to church, they tell me that's what Jesus says is a man. So, so how do I know? How do I know? what a man really is. And that's what I want to do in these next five weeks. I want to pull out five biblical characteristics, five, hey, men, we have to have these, these things, these guiding truths and values in our life that come out of God's word, not from a TV show, not from a book we read, not from a movie that we went to, but God's word. 
We have to know what these are. If a boy, if a guy is ever going to be able to look in the mirror and, and answer and know he's right, yes, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am a man, to look into the mirror and go, you're a man. You're a good one. It's not for grabs anymore. I don't have to prove it to anybody. I don't have to jump off a cliff. I don't have to sleep with the entire cheerleading team in order to prove that I am a man. No, the if I am a man question has been answered. I am. Now I can get on with being one and becoming and growing a better and better one, a man that a woman and a family, children could actually trust and know you're safe with me. Why? Because I know what a man is and I'm him. Now, I'm not saying that that these are the only five characteristics. We could all add to this list, come up with a list of dozens more. But I'll stand by this list and say this. If you don't have these five, all five of these in place, whatever other words or characteristics you might add, it's a moot point. doesn't matter. Again, let me just talk, again, to all the single women in the room, okay? From 15 to 100, right? Listen, all right? If you meet, over the next month, you just need to bring like a tape recorder and notes and a video cam and a stenographer with you. It's like, you know, I don't want to miss any of this, all right? So, 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 So single ladies, listen to this, all right? If you meet a guy that doesn't have all five of these characteristics, write this down, right? Run. Run. Shake the dust off your feet and go, all right, change your phone number. Don't answer the text, whatever that is, all right? And never, ever, ever talk to him again. Never date him again until you see evidence that those five things are actually there. Not that he says they're there, not that he promises to work on it, no. Until he demonstrates that all five of these things are in his life, don't have anything to do with him. Run. See, girls, we, we, you have to have a higher standard then, but he's really cute, <laughs> right? Or he makes me feel special. Girls, you, need a, you deserve a better standard than that. You really, really, really do. But honestly, I'll be honest, okay? That brings up some, some stuff for some women in here and goes like this. If I raise the bar that high, I'll never have another date. I've looked for that, that, that godly man out there. I can't find him. He wants the same thing that the, the guy in the bar wants. I'll never have another, I, I, doubt, I doubt you'll never have another date. But ladies, again, listen to this. Do you want a good definition of the words painful life? Because you'll get it if you date or marry a guy that does not have these five characteristics, but you won't realize it until you've already been hurt and you're lying in a ditch of sadness, betrayal, abandonment, shame, and regret. And ladies, between 15 and 100, isn't that already some of our stories? I married a dude. I dated a guy. I married a boy. He's 50 now, but he's still a child. And that's called silence, right? So we're going to talk about the shape of a man. But like I said, we're not talking about external appearances, but more of internal characteristics that manifest themselves in external behaviors, actions, and choices. Internal, not not, not external. External is just proof of what's going on inside. Let me explain that. When a shepherd boy named David in the Bible was chosen to be the second king of Israel, the first one was this big, tall warrior soldier guy. His name was Saul. He blew that up. So David was chosen to be the second king of Israel. When that happened, his own family, his father looked at his size and his lack of experience and tried to talk God into out of using David, but to pick somebody bigger and stronger and more manly than, than, than weak little David. David's not a real man. Pick one of his older, bigger, impressive, you know, b- better resume, you know, good looking brothers. Pick somebody stronger, more manly than David. And the message that God gave back to that family through Samuel about David's big, strong brother was this. The Lord said to Samuel, don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. I rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, as people see. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the what? Right here. That's what that, what's that mean? It means this. Really practical. When my friend Tony gets up here all huge and big and tatted out and does rap music, we're not holding it up to all you men and go, you got to be like him. 
You gotta look like him and talk like him and sing like him and rap like him. That's what it means to be a real man. No, 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 no. What makes Tony a real man, and I know Tony's story, goes like this. A day came in his life and he came face to face and was confronted with the truth and he made a courageous decision and said, something's gotta change in my life. I have to change because this is not the man I was created or meant to be or the life I was meant to live or the, wife, the life that my wife needs me to, to live. And he, he, he repented, he rethought everything. He rethought his life. He turned towards Jesus and he followed Jesus. That's the shape of a man. It's what a man does. I, lo- I love that, 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 that tattoo on, on, on Tony's arm that says LOC. When he was gangbanging and stuff like that, he had LOC on there. It meant looked out Chicano. All right, that, that's what he, it really meant. But he says, you know, after I came to Christ, it doesn't mean that anymore. It doesn't mean looked out Chicano. It means light of Christ. See, light of, see that's the shape of a man. I'm not crazy. The light of Jesus in my life. And his, his, ask his wife and his kids. They go, he, he does. My dad's like Jesus. That's what, that's what a man looks like. Last month, how about this? My son-in-law, Ben, stands up here, right? And he shares the same decision. I, I came to a point in my life where I hated myself. I wanted to die. I was hurting myself. This is not who I was meant to be. It's not true. This is not the life I was created to live. And I love how Ben said this. He says, and then I showed up. I put my toes in the water of the impassable ocean in front of me. He got right up next to his nemesis that was standing in, in the way of him taking hold of all that God had in mind for him. And he turned towards Jesus and he followed him because that's what strong, courageous men do. That is the shape of a man. Physically, these two men are shaped very differently. (laughs) But where it counts, heart of a man. Strong, courageous man. That's what men do, right? So what does a man need? What must he have and understand and possess on the inside if he's ever gonna live the life of a good man on the outside? And that's what this series is gonna be about. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going we're to take the word shape, S-H-A-P-E, and we're going to allow the letters in this word to serve as an outline or an acrostic for the five steps or characteristics that every man must have in his life according to biblical definitions of manhood. And again, this is only the inter- introduction, and I'm not even going to get into the first letter until next week, but, you know, as I've wrestled through this, I, I was going to say the last few weeks and months, but really, for the last four or five years, since I stood under a tree in South Sudan and had a conversation with a Dinka warrior, he says, Pastor Jim, how, Pastor Jameis, that's what he said, how does a boy become a man? How does he know he's a man in America? And I said, I have no idea. And that's where this all started, this thin red line thing, as we started running after a biblical definition. But over the last several months, as I've had a lot of conversations with men, broken men, good men, Good fathers, horrible fathers, women who been, 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 have married the best men, women who have been abandoned by the worst, and kids who are saying, I just want a dad. I just want a man in my life. I don't even know who I am anymore. Over the last several, several months, this, this flame has kind of blown into a full-blown forest fire. I feel the urgency of it. And so we're going to do something. And here's what I mean, all right? It's, it's tough to be a man in this world. It's tough to be a woman in this world. It's tough to be a parent. And it's really, really tough to be a kid growing up in this world. And I'll, I'll say it. This is my opinion, all right? But I'm right. But yeah, here's what I mean. Growing up has never been easy for any of us. But it's much tougher to be a kid facing becoming a man or woman in today's world than it was for me and my generation and generations before me. It's harder to be a kid now. What do you mean? We have a generation of fathers trying to be fathers, but they never had fathers. Or if they did, those fathers weren't around or plugged in. So the the boys aren't doing very good. How about about the girls? Women. Women have more rights and equality than ever before in the history of our country, yet women and young girls are being abused and sexually exploited at younger ages every day, more than any other time in the history of our country. Girls aren't doing very well either. 
See, a little, little confession here, right? This is going to offend some of you, but this is just reality. When I was a kid, all right, if you wanted to kind of sneak a look at porn, it was like a military mission to get a hold of a Playboy. It was crazy. You get your buddies, you go left, you go right, we'll break into the basement, we'll take it, we'll go home, my house. Boom, all right? So, and then usually I failed. I just ended up with a copy of National Geographic and called it good, you know? All the men over 40 are going, I remember, I remember that. It wasn't pretty, but that's all I get, right, right? right. See, that's how I grew up. Today, it's just right there on your phone. It's right there on your phone. It's everywhere. And parents, you can pretend like my kids don't know about that. Well, guess what? Your kids know more about what's on their phone, how to operate their phone than you do. And here's the other thing. Write this down. Kids lie about porn on their phone. Even Christian kids. And don't look at your kid right now because he'll lie to you, right? So... Now, listen, I hope you have a great relationship with your kid, and I hope that that's, that, that's not true. I'm just saying there's a pressure on kids. I t- talk to our student ministry staff. They're just getting slaughtered, boys and girls, because girls look and go, that's what a guy wants? I'm 11, I guess that's what I have to look like. See, it's, it's hard being a kid, even if you have good parents who are paying attention. But what about over half the kids in our country? How about this? Over half the kids in our kids' ministry right now who are missing one or both parents, sometimes just go, they don't have a chance. See, if I was a young parent, or how about this? If I was a single parent, I would, if I got out of bed every day, I would feel overwhelmed and almost defeated before I even started, unless the community that I was a part of called Flatirons, which claims to be a, the body of Christ, was willing to come alongside me and actually keep its promise to do life in community with me. That's our third value. And say, like I plan on saying to young parents around a campfire until my funeral, how can I help? How can I partner with you? So here's, here's my dream. I have a dream. It goes like this. The fire that's been burning my heart for several years. It's going to be on the outside now. Last week, I sat down with our elders and the leadership team of Flatirons, and we made a decision. We're going to move forward. We're going to purchase property up in the mountains. We're going to build a retreat center to run after this for this purpose. What do you mean? We're going to host crucible-like retreats for adult men and women to address and eliminate anything that's standing in the way of them, fully living in all of the grace and truth that God has for them. Somebody asked me one time, hey, Jim, do you think I'm a bad, a bad man or a bad husband if I don't go to crucible? And I said, no, but I think you'll be a better one if you go to men's retreat or you go to crucible or, or go to anything that helps you take hold of and eliminate anything that's standing in the way of you becoming the man or woman that God has for you to be. It's not fix all or anything, but we got to keep moving forward. This retreat won't replace our men and women's retreats up at Crooked Creek, all right, which is full, all right, but these retreats will be smaller and much more intense, kind of like Fight Club for Men or Fight Club for Women. That's all I can say about it, right? <laughs> See, I've been talking about it over the last month in here. You've heard men stand up here and talk about this retreat, but I'm telling you, my fear has come true because when I even mentioned this, I know what's going to happen. You guys are going to have something, and women, you men and women are going to have something happen in your heart and going, I'm going to try one of those, but it's full. Men's retreat, women's retreat, it's full. It's a six to eight month waiting list to get on a Colorado crucible retreat. Or here's what you could do. You could spend 1,000 to 1,500 bucks to fly to Wisconsin or Texas, someplace out, out, out of Colorado. We can fix that. This is easy. We can fix that. We can make it available to all of us who really want it. It's not right for everybody all the time, but it's right for some of us. I want to run after whatever's blocking, standing in the way of you becoming the man or woman that God has for you. We're going to do that. Next, I want to host small, intense marriage retreats for 20 or 30 couples at a time. Not like of a crooked creek where we have hundreds of people, just a couple dozen at a time. For couples who are on the rocks and about to put up a white flag and say it's, it's over. And also for couples who never want to end up on the rocks and, 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 and crash. No, I, I don't want those things in my life. I don't want to have to deal with those things. So how can I get back way up here and get a hold of them before they spin out of control? I want to host weekend retreats for parents, both moms and dads together, but especially for, for fathers to make a plan to initiate their sons into manhood. Our culture doesn't know how to initiate boys into manhood. Ask any, any guy in high school or college, when did you become a man? 
I'm still waiting. I don't know. I like how Chris Bruno puts it in his book, Man Maker Project. You should download that this afternoon. Chris Bruno, Man Maker Project. He's an author, lives right up here in Fort Collins. He says, I want to prepare fathers to create, plan, and pull off what he calls an entire man year for fathers to initiate their sons into manhood. And if a boy doesn't have an active father in his life, to partner that boy up with a godly man who will go through the same father training so that he can be a father to the fatherless. I want to do the same thing for fathers and daughters. But if you think it's hard to find good information about fathers pointing into sons, it's even harder to find good information for the best way for fathers to pour into daughters, even though it is a proven fact, both in and outside of church circles, all right, that, that, that a girl receives her first lessons of value and worth and love from her father for better or worse. So ladies, I'm in. I don't have all the answers, but I promise we're going to figure this out. Do you, remember, do you remember a couple years ago after my first elk hunt, which was amazing, all right? 30 days, I'm going again. But anyway, so I, I came back and I said, hey, I kind of have this dream, right? Wouldn't it be awesome if all you men and women who love the outdoors, we've got some great stuff just west of here. You know, you, you hunt, you fish, you hike, you camp. Wouldn't it be great for some of you, you say, I can't sing, I can't play guitar, but I can fish. And I would love to, to, to pair up with a single mom and say, take your son, and say, I'll take him fishing because he, he'll never even go outside unless somebody steps into that. And I had hundreds of men and women who are really into the outdoors says, I'll do that. I'll partner up with a kid. I'll partner up with a single mom. But think about it. That's impossible. Think about what, what, what I'm setting, setting up these kids for. So I, I, got a, I got a single mom who has an eight-year-old son who's so desperate to have a man in, in, in his life, and then you show up. Now, you're probably good, but we're, it's a crazy world. Some dude shows up and goes, I'll take your eight-year-old fishing. It's not going to happen. I'll take your little girl to, to, to the woods. No, you won't. <laughs> and you're sitting there going, I, but I would be good. I know you probably would. I don't know about him. Or her. So we have to have some way to figure this out. A training process, a vetting process, so that people actually get to know each other in community and say, will you help me? This most important part of my life. I was talking to my, my friend David Nelson. He's a high school football coach down in Texas. And, and he, he, I, he was talking about all this boys becoming men stuff. And, and he gave me the mission statement for his life. And I told him, David, I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit one time. And then after that, it's mine. I'm ripping you off. So here's my mission statement, all right? It, it goes like this. This is a high school football coach. He says, I will eradicate fatherlessness by equipping boys to become godly men of power, passion, and purpose. Don't you want this guy to be your coach, right? Here's what I would change that to as, as flatterns, all right? How about we? We will eradicate fatherlessness by equipping godly men and fathers to equip their children to become godly men and women of power, passion, and purpose. Can anybody think of anything more important worth giving your life to than that? And would anybody want to do that with me? Anybody? I, I don't know how we're going to do that. You know, we're looking at property and stuff like that, but some of you, you've already figured this out. I'm going to need a lot of help. I'm going to need a lot of expertise. I'm going to need a lot of money. I'm going to need a lot of time. I'm going to need a lot of think power for men and women to help me figure this out. But let's just be honest. Men and women and parents, listen, our sons and daughters are getting slaughtered every day. You can build a fence around them and not let them out of the house, but I'm telling you, they're getting slaughtered. And I don't care about your politics because I promise the next president of the United States isn't going to fix this and the next Supreme Court decision can't and won't change or help or address the deeper spiritual wound that has to be addressed and healed. And the hope of the world is the same as it has always been. What do you mean? We have to repent. We have to rethink how we think about everything, starting where? In this room, God's people submitting to God's word. We are the church. And we have to take better care of the people in our care. And men, God says it starts with us. We're not letting women off the hook. 
But God says fathers and sons and, and husbands, right? It starts with us. Not by beating ourselves up for what we've done wrong in the past. There is grace for that. There's forgiveness for that. But we need to rethink our life about how we're going to live our life as men from now on. That's, that's the passion of my heart. So here we go. Please join me. Let's stand up. I'll pray. We'll sing. And some of you will come up. All right? Let's pray. God, you're so good. You're so good. For a lot of us, you know, we, first time we walked into to this place or our church, we just jumped right to the assumption that we've disappointed you, you're angry with us, you probably hate us, and we don't, we don't even blame you. And then we came here, and over time we realized that you're a good father, that you're kind, you're gracious, you're gentle, you're patient, you're loving, you're forgiving. But in the process of uh, seeing you as, as a kind and gentle God, we've kind of dumbed you down and, and made you weak. But you're not weak. You're a king. You, you have this universe in control. You are a king. You are a warrior. And then you look at us and say, I trust you with my kingdom. Rule well. I've entrusted you with this wife. I've entrusted you with these kids. I've entrusted you with this son and with this daughter. And God, honestly, we, we, we don't know what we're doing. So we need you to speak into our lives and heal up the brokenness from the messages that we received from years ago that are playing out and landing on the people around us that we love the most. We need you and your truth in our lives. We need Jesus in our life. It starts with grace and truth. And then from out of that, once we know who we are, that we are men and women created in your image, to image your likeness and your goodness, we'll follow you. We are your warriors. We're your church. We're your army. And we will make a difference in this world. Lead us, our warrior king. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yeah.